Glory to God. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord tonight. And you can be seated. And we'll jump in. Still excited about uh, this last week's, last Sunday's service. Boy, I tell you, we had a great time. And uh, Jake had preached a, a tremendous message. A young lady from college was filled with the Holy Ghost and then baptized. And, and a lot of folks started rededicating themselves. And we just ended up baptizing seven people and uh, had a great day. But it was a great moving uh, you know, message, that one of those kind that makes people... Uh, check themselves and uh, we need that kind of preaching that will cause us to examine ourselves and see where we are and remember most of all that God loves you love covers a multitude of sin and if we can remember that that you, you should never be afraid to go back to the Lord for anything because he loves you sometimes it's uh, hard uh, to face people you love when you've done wrong but but you don't have to feel like that with Jesus because he already knows. So, uh, and if he hadn't struck you down and killed you, you know, well, everything's going to be all right. You can go to him. Uh, tonight we're going to finish uh, this series uh, about when Jesus prayed. And tonight we'll talk about probably the toughest one for us is uh, because he prayed when he had been wronged when somebody had done him wrong. And sometimes that is, I would venture to say, out of the uh, three previous lessons that this fourth one, dealing with this, is probably the hardest because of our flesh, our emotions. But when we have been wronged, we must pray so we can see things through his eyes, gain his perspective. And we'll read one verse of Scripture before we get into the lesson. Luke 23 and 34 uh, Jesus, as he was on the cross, says, Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. And tonight we're going to talk about when Jesus was wronged and, and that he prayed. Let's, let's pray for the lesson. Lord, thank you for your word and the instruction and the faith that it gives us. And tonight I pray it will be received into good ground so that we can bring forth not 30, 60, but a hundredfold and be better, be more like you, that we can make it through this life and be ready to meet you when you come again. And we ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Give the Lord one more hand clap. You ought to be glad that you're here. You ought to be glad you're in the house of the Lord. So Becoming a disciple or a follower of him will uh, ask of us to be like he was when he walked this earth and to be like he is with us today. Uh, how do we respond when we have been wronged? Well, first we want to look at where Jesus was when he made the statement, Father, forgive them. He was on the cross, but he was not just talking about the group of people that were there watching this part, but things that had started back uh, earlier from the night that they had the, their last supper, the Passover supper, where Jesus, uh, Judas went out to betray him. We know that uh, that was an ultimate form of rejection that his disciple that he had with him for three, three and a half years and had you know, poured into him, taught, showed him miracles, did things, had him with him. He was close to him, uh, sells him out for 30 pieces of silver, the cost of a common servant. And uh, now uh, Jesus finds himself on this cross, but he had uh, been through a lot of things before he got there. But people who have capitalized on significant moments in time have shaped human history. Uh, there are things you could look at and see points in history where important people and, and you know, whether they were uh, you know, politicians or whether they were soldiers or whether they were kings or leaders, uh, somewhere, somehow there was a point in history where they made a decision, where they reacted in a way, and it changed the course of history. It, it, it did something. It provided something. You know, it could be very small things. We know that people that have stood and taken stands for... Um, you know, uh, 
civil rights even, you know, things like that that we saw that people, they would not uh, react the way the world reacted. They, they had a mission. They wanted to see something accomplished, and they stood for what was right. And kingdoms have risen and fallen because of decisions that have been made at critical moments in time. Uh, economies have both increased and collapsed because of decisions that have been made uh, at critical moments in times. Every life, every, your life, my life, is defined by the decisions made at critical moments in time. Some things that we, you know, maybe we don't realize sometimes the importance of uh, someone saying, yeah, I will marry you. That was a point in your life that changed the course of your life. Or when you decided, I'm going to fall down on my knees in this altar and say, Lord, I'm sorry. It changed the course of your life. When you decided to be baptized in his name and, and God filled you, that was a, a decision you made that changed and altered your life. And, and who knows, it, you, maybe you would be first-generation apostolic but would start a, a whole line or you know of generations and generations of people who are going to believe in this truth. I don't... You know, some of you all here are, you know, several generations down, but you can think back to who, where it started in your family. And here we are today, several generations later, and because uh, my great-grandmother, you know, Paul made that statement about Timothy. He said, I know there's a faith inside of you, but before it was you, it was your grandmother and your mother. It, it's been coming down the line, and because your grandmother, you know, because this happened, here we see you. You look at people in the scripture. What if Abraham had not said, all right, Lord, I will get up and go? You know, what if uh, Ruth had not went and, and found Boaz? And you know, what if she had, had turned and walked away when Naomi said, go on? You know, so decisions that were made have changed history. And so Jesus, in these three and three and a half years that he walked openly in his ministry, he has these disciples and he is changing uh, the world by the things he is teaching and preaching and doing. A woman at a well was forever changed because he decided to go through Samaria. A blind beggar was healed because Jesus stopped long enough to ask him what he needed done. And ten lepers were transformed simply because Jesus made the decision to cross the road where they were at. And Lazarus came forth out of the tomb because Jesus made the decision to speak the words, Lazarus, come forth. None of these things happen if Jesus doesn't decide for it to happen. But nothing uh, that he did, there was no decision that he made that was more critical than the one that he made when he was hanging on the cross. He had got to that point. He had to finish what he started. And he could not change once he got there. He was close, but, you know, the old saying, that's close, but no cigar. Well, we don't believe in cigars, but... Uh, you know, they say close only counts in hand grenades and horseshoes. So uh, he can't just be on the cross and then change who he is when he's hurting and agonizing and, and they have uh, done all these things to him. He can't change who he has been openly for three and a half years now that he's hanging there. He has got to stay the Savior of the world. And and after he has spent time in Gethsemane praying, not my will, but your will be done, he can't change now after he knows that uh, how it started. Judas approaches and, and kisses him on the cheek and betrays him, and he's arrested. And, uh, you know, all his disciples flee and leave him, and now he's alone, and, and he really needed somebody with him. Uh, he can't change who he is now on the cross. And during the unfolding events of one of the darkest and longest nights that humanity has ever known. Uh, if you've never studied it or, or looked at it, everything that was done that night concerning him, the arrest, was all illegal. He wasn't a criminal, but even uh, the, the coming to get him was actually illegal. Uh, it was illegal to arrest a man at night. The law stated that arrest could only take place during daylight hours. And also, since Judas was a known friend of Jesus, it was technically illegal for him to have anything to do with the arrest of Jesus. A great injustice occurred by holding the trials in front of Annas and Caiaphas during the darkness of night. 
the Talmud declared the members of the court may not alertly and intelligently hear the testimony against the accused during the hours of darkness. That was their law. Lastly, if the Jewish trials had been conducted correctly, guilt could not be immediately pronounced. Rather, those involved would have to go home for a minimum of two days, contemplate all they had heard before they could render a judgment. The very thought of pronouncing an instant judgment was uh, reprehensible. So he knows all this is going on. He knows he's being done wrong, and yet he doesn't say a word through all of this. He's not defending himself. He could have called angels. He could have said, I'm going to fight this and, and had angels by his side to deliver him, but he just kept going. No matter what he felt, no matter what he was going through, Jesus just kept going to suffer the shame and indignity of being wrongly arrested, convicted, condemned is far beyond what we could even fathom. Could you imagine? You know you didn't kill anybody, but the police busted in your house one night and drug you out because somebody else said it was him. And you're telling them it wasn't me and they're handcuffing you and they're putting you in the car and now you're in the holding cell and now you're waiting and now a lawyer's got to come. You got to start proving your, all these things. You imagine how you would feel wrongly accused and, and what am I going to do? What, you know, for us as humans, it would be uh, impossible to comprehend not shouting out, I haven't done anything. If they came and broke in at your house, would you say, no, you'd be, you know, you'd be trying to run. You'd be fighting back. You'd be like, what's going on? I didn't do this. You'd be declaring your innocence, all these things. But Jesus didn't speak a word. And after being unjustly convicted and sentenced to die, he was whipped and left bleeding and weakened, stripped down, had a scarlet robe placed on him, then a crown of thorns placed upon him, and they mocked him, saying, Hail, the king of the Jews. And then on the cross, that wooden cross, he was nailed to it, gasping for breath, dying with every second that was passing by, trying not to suffocate, trying to ease the pain from this part of his body to this part of the body, till finally he said, It is finished. But between the time they put him there and he said that, all the words that he did speak, or words to encourage those that were in front of him or to offer one last shot at forgiveness for those who were doing this unjustly. Jesus prayed. Jesus, he said very few words, no words of anger, no declaration of his innocence. He simply said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. In the most agonizing moment of his earthly life, he simply prayed that God would forgive those who had wronged them. What do you think happened to the people that heard him say that? Because when that kind of forgiveness, when that level of forgiveness happens, it's not just for the individual. He was Jesus, sinless, the Lamb of God, and he knew who he was. For him to say, Father, forgive them, for somebody to stand there and think, if he could go through this, for the ones that were there who knew they had been coaxed into coming and crying out, crucify him, and they were there just to see the show, if he could hang here, hey, what did he do? I don't know. He had made some pretty good wine for that wedding I was at. I saw him open blinded eyes. He did walk on water, cast out some devils, uh, Man, healed countless peoples. I, 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 don't know, uh, I don't know what he did except good. To know that he was there wrongly, for, to hear him say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Instead of cursing or screaming or declaring his innocence, just forgive them. Can you imagine the ripple effect of that? Because I'm telling you, that kind of forgiveness will affect others. And when Jesus, he was praying, Father, Forgive them. What do you do when people wrong you? you? You pray for them. Because you can't fight them. You can't render evil for evil. You've got to do what he did. And so I can't imagine being one of the ones that hollered, crucify him, crucify him, and then hear him say, Father, forgive them. 
when he, they were trying to get him to say anything. You know, when somebody wants to pick a fight with you, the worst thing you can say is, hey, man, I love you, I forgive you. Oh, because they read the fight. They read to see something happen, and this did not go the way that they thought it would go. I'm sure they thought they would embarrass him and shame him, and he would scream and cry out and do all these things, but he spoke not a word. Simply to say, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they do. So ask yourself, how difficult is it to forgive others who have caused you pain? It's hard, isn't it? It's hard to forgive people that have hurt you or hurt your family or, or done something that you really feel like uh, it's uh, unjust. It's hard because of our flesh. And we want to think, well, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take revenge. I'm going to take vengeance. I'm going to do this. But that's not what we do. In Matthew 6, 14 and 15, uh, even when Jesus was teaching us to pray, he said, if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. He said, and then he says, but if you forgive not men their trespasses, well, if somebody trespasses, that's, you've been wronged. Neither will your father forgive your trespasses or when you wronged him. And so uh, to just say that, it will not help you. This is in prayer. In the Lord's Prayer, he said, ask for forgiveness and then make the statement, and I will forgive others as you forgive me. You're, you're doing that in prayer so that you can get the same perspective, the the your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven kind of attitude towards the people who are going to wrong you. And yes, you're going to get wronged. You're going to be trespassed against. You're going to be lied on, talked about, hurt, slandered, whatever. It's going to happen. You're going to get hurt, whether knowingly or unknowingly, but how you handle it is up to you. It's going to come, but the way you decide to let it affect you, that's up to you. I've, and you've probably seen this before. I've seen people say, you know, when you hold a grudge or bitterness or unforgiveness, uh, in, you know, if you hold on to that stuff, it's like letting somebody live rent-free in your mind. And you know what most renters do? Tear stuff up. And that's what it will do. It will tear you up if you hold on to it. And uh, holding on to it don't change nothing. It don't fix it. But what will change it is being able to be like Jesus and say, uh, I'm going to forgive people just like he did because nobody has done uh, anything to me like what they did to him. You know, I, I have not been whipped to the skin has come off my body. I have not had a crown of thorns placed on my head. Nobody has hung me on a cross or killed me. I didn't have to take my last breath saying, Father, forgive them. And so he went through something so extreme but showed us, look, if you want to keep the right attitude and you want to get through this, stay intact to who you are because each one of us has a mission just like he did. It's to preach the gospel, to be the light of the world, to be the salt of the earth, to reach the lost. But if we stop being who we are, as children of God, every time we are wronged, then nobody's going to trust our witness. If we talk about the love of God and how much we love people and then somebody wrongs us and we're cussing them out and, and slapping them and beating them and kicking them or, or shooting them, that's not, you can't do that. You've got to let it go and you've got to pray, get God's perspective on it, see how good forgiveness is for you. Forgiveness is good for you because sometimes people say, I don't care if you forgive me or not. I still don't like you. Okay, I forgive you. You feel better. It, whatever they want to do with it, they can do with it. You have took that burden off of you. You have freed your mind from it. And let me tell you something about forgiveness is not a, a magic word. Father, forgive them. Whew. Oh, wow, what happened? You have still got to live like you forgave them. You, forgiveness uh, is uh, an action, and you've got to take some action. Because if you say, 
I forgive you. <laughs> if next time you see them, you're kicking them or, or hey, I forgive you for that, but then you talking about them, you know, uh, wearing them out on Facebook or social media and, or anything like that. Well, did you really? The Bible talks about being reconciled, and that's a little different. Uh, reconciled is, is now you're back in agreement and you try your best to be reconciled. Sometimes that can't happen, but you can forgive. If the other party wants no part of your forgiveness, so be it. Uh, I'm going to forgive you. And they can't stop you. I don't accept your forgiveness. <laughs> well, that's one thing you can't do anything about. Because I can forgive you, and you can say something ugly, and I'll forgive you again. And every time you say something, I'm just going to forgive you again. Eventually, they'll stop. Because it's just like two kids going, you know, back and forth, you know. Uh-uh, uh-huh, uh-uh, uh-huh. You know, it's just back and forth, back and forth. Finally, somebody's going to quit. But if you just tell them, no, because the Scripture says for me to forgive you as many times as I have to, I'm going to forgive you. And when you do that, uh, you're going to be better. You're going to be all right. You're going to be able to move on with your life. And if you think that because uh, you love the Lord and He loves you that you are exempt from being hurt or wronged, you are wrong. No one is exempt from being wronged. The Bible says it rains on the just and on the unjust. And so it, uh, it doesn't matter how good you are, how nice you are, how polite you are. You ever heard of somebody, something happened to somebody and they're like, man, I can't believe anybody would hurt them. Well, everybody loved them. It doesn't matter because guess what? Everybody don't love you. Everybody don't think you're the greatest thing walking. I can't imagine nobody don't like me, but somebody don't, you know, and maybe you feel like that. You're like, man, ain't, ain't nobody that would not like me, but you'd be surprised because you, you don't know. All you've got to do is get on one subject, and all of a sudden, everything changes. So uh, that's why I tell people to stay off them politics and stuff on, and, and things like that because, man, you'll, you'll stir that up. You'll, you'll, you'll find out how quick people don't like you. So you'll be unfriended in a minute. Blocked, unfriended, you're gone. Out of my life. So it would be nice, wouldn't it, though, to live your entire life and never be insulted, ridiculed, hurt, abused, but it's not going to happen. As long as we are breathing, there's a good chance somebody is going to do us wrong. In Matthew 18 and 7, Jesus said, Woe unto the world because of offenses. For it must needs be that offenses come, but woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. And so Jesus was telling us that no one is exempt from being wrong. Walking in relationship with Jesus does not insulate us from the actions of those who do not walk with him. We walk with him, but that doesn't stop uh, people from not liking us. The disciples walked with him. They didn't like the disciples either. They didn't like Jesus. They didn't like disciples. He said, you will be hated of all men for my name's sake. It's going to happen. People are going to hurt you. Oftentimes it's not, we've said this before, it's not you so much that they're fighting. It's the, the God you serve. It's the Jesus in you that they're fighting. They don't like that. And so with the decline of social morality in the world today, one can only expect that offenses will come. Our world is evil. It's full of sin. The mentality of many people is that it does not matter who you wrong as long as you get ahead. Look out for yourself. The challenge for the Christian is to realize why people do wrong to others and also know the proper way to respond when you are wrong. That is part of being a disciple because we have to shine a good light. He said, let your light shine so people can see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. But if you... Uh, can't get over this hump of people wrong me, I'm getting them back. I'm, I'm like a vigilante. Man, I'm like death wish. I'm going to get them back. If they mess with me, they're going to get it. Well, you're killing your witness. And, uh, you, and, and you're teaching other people the wrong way to respond because you may be that kind of person who is very influential. And so you may be getting people to do the wrong thing and react the wrong way. Well, I'm doing it because they've been living for the Lord 40 years, and that's how they act. Well, uh, then they need to change. 
I don't care if you've been living with the Lord 70 years. So what? If you're not responding right, you need to fix it. We need to examine ourselves and make sure that we respond in the right ways. Uh, you know, in this world, there are things that motivate people to wrong other people. Greed, because they want what you've got, so they'll cheat you. you know? So greed, jealousy, envy. You know, when people are jealous, they'll say ugly things about you or you know, things like that. You know, you know, they think you're getting ahead better, your job's better, you're more famous, or, or now I guess you know, maybe you've got more people liking your stuff on Facebook than the others, and they get jealous. And so they talk about you, and they wrong you. Uh, envy, anger, and so but what people do is to justify themselves is they say, well, when they're wrong, when, if you respond wrong when you're wrong, they justify themselves by saying, well, it's an eye for an eye, but it's not an eye for an eye. That's not what it is. Jesus addressed that. Uh, let me see, where was it? Matthew, staying in Matthew, in chapter 5, yeah, Matthew 5 and 38. Jesus said, you have heard that it has been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I say unto you. Now, if he's saying this, I think I need to listen. There ain't a single word that I need to ignore from his lips. If I'm following him, I want to listen to what he's got to say because he don't just talk to take up time. He's not making conversation. He's making a point. But I say unto you that you resist not evil. But whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Now, people are like, I'm going to have a hard time letting somebody slap me on both sides of my face. If somebody walked up and slaps me on my cheek, but I think that's probably why we have a hard time because we're just, we're so literal about that. But the principle here is this. If somebody comes up and slaps me on my right cheek and I'm able to turn the other, that means I'm still standing. That means that what they did to hurt me didn't move me. If it's saying he hit me on my right cheek and I didn't punch him in the mouth, it didn't change me. That they did their best, hit me with their best shot, and I'm still here. I'm not going to let what somebody else does hurt me change who I am in the Lord. I'm not going to throw my whole ministry away and throw my walk with God away for a few moments of, hey, I got to choke you out or I hit you back or I, I gave evil back to you. But instead, I'm going to say, this is not going to move me. It's not going to make me run. It's not going to make me uh, bow down. It's not going to make me react in the wrong way. I'm still standing right here. And if you hit me, I'm still here, so go ahead. But I will not change who I am. I'm going to have the right attitude because Jesus did not change who he was while he hung on that cross. He was forgiving people. He said it earlier in his walk. He told a group of people, he said, but so you will know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. I said unto him, thy sins are forgiven. He was talking about the man with the withered hand that he healed. No, I'm sorry, the man that was on the bed uh, that was lame, uh, he said that. And they said, well, who can forgive sin but God alone? Well, it was, he was letting them know, as long as I'm on earth, I've got power to forgive sin. And he didn't change that when he was hanging on that cross, taking his last breath after they had done all these illegal things to him and lied on him and, and just false accused him. And the ones, the very ones that watched his miracles watched him die. And he still said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He went on to address in Luke chapter 6, verse 27 and 28, just giving us some ideas about how we react. He said, But I say unto you which hear, so everybody that's in earshot of me right then, or of Jesus at that time, he said, Love your enemy and do good to them which hate you. Sometimes the only good you can do for them is pray for them. So when you're wrong, pray for them. Pray, pray for yourself. God, I want to I want to react right. You know, there are situations that people uh, reacted. You know, you hear about crimes of passion. 
they were so overwhelmed in the moment that they took somebody's life. They've never done that before. It's not a pattern. But something happened that was so extreme and they were so fragile that they lost it. And they, they did that. That's where a lot of that road rage stuff happens from because people are driving along and they're in a place and somebody cuts them off and they, well, I got my kids with me. They did this. That made me mad. And so I just slammed into them. Or I pulled my gun and I shot them. Next time I killed them. Mean to do that, so you pray for yourself that I don't alter who I am during these times, and then I want to make sure that um, I'm praying for those who would do that, that they're not going to do that to anybody else. I don't, you know, I don't want them to do it to me. I don't want them to do it to nobody else. You ever say I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy? You know, that's what I'm saying. Is that? Somebody, it's not, I'm trying to deflect it to somebody else. I don't want them hurting nobody else either. So you pray for those who would uh, despitefully use you. Let's see where I was. He said, bless them that curse you and pray for them which despitefully use you. And then uh, in verse 31, for it, uh, he says, and as you would that men should do to you, do you also to them likewise. It's not... Uh, and whatever they did to you, do back to them. He said, however you would want them to treat you, that's how you treat them. Even if they do you, well, they did me wrong. Okay, but you still do unto them like you would have them do unto you. If you had the choice, you would have had them be nice to you. That's not what they did. But you still be nice to them. You pray for them. You uh, show mercy. You show love and compassion. I'm not saying stand there and let them just beat you in the head with a hammer. I'm saying that uh, you don't change who you are because of who they are. Don't let their evil, their, their lies, their gossip, their hate, whatever it is, don't let it change you. You keep praying for them. You keep showing mercy to them. You keep showing forgiveness to them because that's the way that Jesus operated. Ah, that's hard. Man, that's hard. Somebody hurts. You know, sometimes it's easier to absorb it yourself, but oh, but don't don't touch my my family. Don't say nothing about my my wife or my kids, you know, or my husband. You know, now that people that's where people start losing it. But what good are you to those people you love if you lose it? I was just taking up for my family. Well, that looks real good behind bars. Guess they'll see you in 15 to 20, you know, whatever, you know. I've, I've, hey, I've had these conversations with people. I've told them, I said, don't you go down there mad like this because if you go down there and you do this and you go to jail or you get killed, I said, what if they shoot you? I said, now you're leaving a wife and kids. And all they're doing is thinking how senseless it is. I said, now they've got to grow up with that and, and, and live through that turmoil and probably have hate in their hearts against people who killed you. I said, so now we've got a whole other mess to un unravel. Just do what's right and everything, it'll be fine. Where there is no wood, the fire will go out. Where there is no fuel, the fire, it can't burn. So don't throw wood on the fire. Pray. Pray. Seek God. See what he wants you to do. Listen to him. In verse 35, he said, But love ye your enemy. That's a whole new book. Love my enemy. Yeah. Just like he loved you when you was his enemy. Love them. And let me tell you something. Jesus has loved me from the beginning. And loved me when I didn't know him. But he never did one time kick my door in and interrupt and say, hey, come on, man, you're going to spend some time together. Loving your enemy doesn't mean you got to take them out to eat. You can love them the way Jesus loves people. You can have mercy. Jesus was always waiting for me to open the door. And then he came in. And so you can be ready so when the door opens, you can show mercy and love and kindness. But until then, you just, you're just knocking. 
You, you're loving. You're, you're there. You're, you're, you're available. But you don't have to, hey, I know you can't stand me, but we're about to go get something to eat. We're going, hey, we're going on vacation together. I done booked it. We having Christmas dinner together or Thanksgiving together or, or you know, what, whatever. You know, just, uh, I know you can't stand me. You don't have to show up and wash their car, cut their grass or anything like that. But you can love them. You, you got to love them. You got to. And so love is not, it's not that romantic love where you've got to see your enemy. Because you go up and try to hug them, you're going to probably get hit. So you just, you can love them, and they can't stop you. Oh, I can't stand you. I love you. No, you don't. Yes, I do. You don't. I do. There you go again. There are two kids fighting. Eventually, somebody will stop. But they can't make you not love you. You can't stop me from praying for you. You can't stop me from loving you because this is for my mind. <laughs> you know, if you want to go crazy with hate and anger and bitterness, see you. I'm not. This is so I can move on and be sane and have a life. So when people wrong you and you know, you know in your flesh that you, if, if it was left up to you, you would handle this. But the Lord said not to do that. Not to do that. Love your enemies and do good. So I want to make sure that I am doing what he said to do. I want to love them. He said, Lend, hoping for nothing again, your, your reward shall be great, and you shall be the children of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Well, Lord, if you'd just be mean to him, it'd make it a lot easier. We could line up real good if you'd just be mean to unthankful and unkind and evil people. But he's not. He's good to them. He's merciful to them. He's kind to them. He, he corrects people. He'll chasten people. He does that, those kind of things. He takes care of he, those that he loves. He corrects. We know that. But, hey, maybe you can't remember time. I can. I remember being unthankful. I sure am glad he was kind to me. I'm going to tell you how he was kind to me. He kept me alive a lot of nights where I didn't even know where I was. He got me home somehow without killing anybody or myself many times. That's kindness. He kept me alive when I fell out of a two-story window so stinking drunk. Fell out of a two-story window, hit an awning, landed on the sidewalk, and walked away from it. And he said, well, it's because you were drunk. You know what? Drunk people die all the time. But God knows what he's doing. He said he, he hadn't had his shot yet. I got to wait till he gets his shot. He can't go out of here without getting an opportunity. And God was kind to me to not leave me paralyzed from the neck down from falling out of a window or in prison for killing a van load of people because I was drunk driving. You know, all kind of scenarios could have happened. He was kind to an evil, unthankful young man. And so I've got to offer that myself. And I can't think of anybody better than Jesus to be like. And so if I can do those things, I'm going to be like him. I'm going to be better. I'm going to be what I need to be. So we've got to be able to resist doing those evil things. Nobody ever likes the feeling of being wrong. And it's one thing for people to justify doing wrong to someone who wronged them, but when you are but being wronged is more difficult to deal with when it's not justified. You know, if it's a tug of war going on and you're both acting silly and somebody wrongs you, that's one thing. But when you have done nothing except be good and you're wronged now, that's a little harder to deal with, and that's where we're like, hey, eye for an eye, I'm about to get somebody back. But there's scriptures, and I didn't give you these, this, so don't even worry, I'm just going to read them. Uh, Proverbs 24 and 29 says, say not, in other words, don't say this, 
that I will do so to him as he has done to me, and I will render to the man according to his work. You don't do evil for evil. Proverbs 20 and 22 says, Say not thou that I will recompense, but instead he says, Wait on the Lord and he will save you. So when something goes on, don't fly right off with your flesh and say, I'm going to get you back. Wait on God and he'll save you out of that situation. He will keep you from, from mouthing off, from doing something wrong, from doing something crazy, from hurting your witness or from hurting your own life because you can tear your life up with unforgiveness, hate, anger, reacting by your emotions. You can change your life in an instant and you don't want to do that. You may feel like that was the right thing to do until the dust settles and now you realize there's a lot of lives in turmoil because you reacted in anger and, and did what you were not supposed to do. Peter wrote this. He said, this is how we're supposed to act, 1 Peter 3 and 9. You do not render evil for evil or railing for railing, but to the contrary, you render a blessing, knowing that you are called to do that, so you should inherit a blessing. In other words, do good, love them, treat them right, because that's what you were called to do. That's where you were called uh, to render a blessing so you could get a blessing. Your life will be blessed when you bless those that despitefully use you. That's the perspective that Jesus had, and he understood. He said, there's something coming after this cross, and it will be, uh, I, I could mess it up right here if I looked down and started rebuking these people and cursing these people and telling these people I could kill all that I have done for three and a half years in one instant. In one instance, I could end it all right here and nothing would happen past this cross. It wouldn't be even any sense for me getting up out of the ground because I will have stopped it right here if I don't forgive. I'm dying so they can be forgiven. Why wouldn't I forgive them? Why would I change the message now? And so we can't change who we are just because of what we're going through. Peter, on the issue of being wronged when you've done nothing wrong, Peter had advice on that, 1 Peter 4, 16 through 19. He says, if any man suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begins at us, in other words, God's going to see how are you reacting when uh, you are suffering, when something comes your way, when trials of fire, he had written throughout this uh, chapter about thinking not strange, the fiery trials. The Lord is going to judge the house of God. How are you reacting when this world that treated me so badly treats you badly? Judgment's going to start with the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall be the end of them that obey not the gospel? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. Whenever you're suffering, whenever you're going through something, whenever you're being wronged, commit yourself to him in well-doing. You keep living for him doing right. You keep living for him doing what you're supposed to do as unto a faithful creator. God's faithful, so I'm going to stay faithful. I'm going to keep my walk with him pure. I'm not going to give in to this. Uh, you know, now, again, if you miss that and you do fly off, it's not unforgivable, but it's, you may make some things unrepairable. There may be some things that you'll never be able to put back together, but you can still be forgiven and, and you can go on and, and keep living for God, but you may tear something up so bad, a relationship or a friendship or something like that in your life to where it just won't be fixed because there's too much hurt there, too much anger there. Uh, what you did, they can't forget it. And so we need to make sure we are trying to respond in the right way when we are wronged. Jesus did not deserve to die. He was not guilty of even the smallest of the charges that they leveled against him. He was out without sin. He was blameless. 
And in all his interactions with people, not one time did he wrong anybody. What he did do was reach out in love and compassion. He did bring healing and hope to all those that were hurting, but the false charges and insults came. I'm sure it hurt him because the Bible says he was tempted in all points as we were, but it had to hurt even more when the abuse came from the very ones he had helped the most. And so the usual response is that we want to strike back. We want to, uh, or maybe withdraw, walk away, quit. Sometimes that's the response. People just quit. That's it. I'm not going to open myself up to it anymore. I'm not going to do it. So they retreat. But if you retreat, nothing gets done. Why should you stop your life over an instance of hurt? You shouldn't. Uh, so being able to respond in the right way, uh, you know, praying about it, praying for the person that hurts you, praying for yourself so you can keep moving forward and not give up just because you were wronged or striking back just because you were wrong. And so the emotions that we deal with, heartache, well, he came to fix that. He came to bind up the brokenhearted. He came to do that. And we feel hurt, we feel anger, we feel sadness. Sometimes people feel hopeless when they've been wrong because they don't know what to do. But you don't have to feel like any of that because you don't lose any authority or power that Jesus has given you through the Holy Ghost when you're wrong. Just because somebody wrongs you, it doesn't weaken your walk. You're still the same anointed Holy Ghost-filled person. Jesus was wronged. He was still the Lamb of God. He was wronged, but he was still the Savior of the world, still the King of kings, still the Lord of lords. Nothing changed. They lied on him, beat him, did all these things. Didn't change who he was one bit. It did not stop uh, who he was, and it doesn't have to stop us because we have that power in us. We can do the things that he did. We can suffer and get through it because he did. We don't have to give in. Jesus experienced the same emotions and the feelings that we do when we're wronged. It would have been tempting to retaliate, bring judgment on the ones who did it wrong. He chose not to. He did not speak one word of anger or hurt. He did not express contempt or malice. He simply prayed. When confronted with wrongs uh, that wounded him deeply and ultimately caused his death, he prayed. We must pray when we are wronged. That's not the only time we should pray, but we should pray when we are wrong. If any time that we should pray, we should pray when we have been done wrong. The Bible is filled with these kind of examples. Uh, there's a, the psalm that they say that David most likely wrote after Absalom, his son, rebelled against him, Psalm 5, 7 through 12, David said, But as for me, I will come into thy house, and in the multitude of thy mercy, and in thy fear will I worship toward thy holy temple. Lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness because of my enemies. Lead me in righteousness because of my enemies. Keep me right because I have people that want to kill me. I have people that have uh, overthrown me. I have my son has done this, but he said, lead me in your righteousness because of my enemies. I want to make sure that I stay in his ways, not get in my own ways. I want to stay in his ways when I have enemies. Make thy ways straight before my face, for there is no faithfulness in their tongue. Destroy thou them, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Cast them out in the multitude of their transgressions. For they have rebelled against thee, but let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee for thou, Lord, will bless the righteous. With favor will you compass him as with a shield. And so we know that David, even though all these things that Absalom did, when it, finally the war came, he, told, he gave instruction to the captains, deal gently with the boy for my sake. They didn't. Of course, they killed Absalom. And then David wept. He said the king wept and he cried and lamented over Absalom because Absalom was his son. And he wanted to save him. Yes, it hurt him. Yes, it caused an uproar. But David would have rather had him alive than had him killed. David did not give an order to kill him. He said, even though he's done this, deal gently with him for my sake. And some listened and some didn't. And the ones that didn't, they, they killed Absalom. But David wanted to do the right thing and not have him killed. Uh, Abraham, 
uh, you know, when he confronts Lot over choosing uh, the right spot of land when they're looking. He said, look, uh, people are fighting because the land can't hold us. So he said, if you go to the right, I'll go left. If you go left, I'll go right. And Lot looks out and sees all the plains before Sodom. They're watered and they're great. And he says, yeah, I'll take that. And he goes. Instead of Lot, the younger, giving honor to Abraham and saying, well, look, you know, you're the oldest. You take what looks best and you'll, you know, I'll take what's left over. Lot was greedy and Lot took what he said will make me benefit. And that probably hurt Abraham's feeling. But Abraham didn't fuss about it. He went and prayed and talked to God. You know what God said? God said, lift your eyes up and look. He said, and everything you can see, it's yours. He said, and wherever you walk, it's yours. Even the place that Lot took, he said, it doesn't matter. If you can see it, you can walk on it, I'm going to give it to you. God will always take care of you if you go to him in prayer. God will always bless his people. God, you're not going to just because somebody hurts you or wrongs you or, or you know, cuts you out of something. Listen, you're not going to do without when God's involved in it. God will always take care of his children. God will always make a way. And so, yeah, it might hurt, it might slight you, and it might look like, wow, they got away with, they really got away with something. Let them go because God's going to bless you for keeping the right attitude, for keeping the right walk, for being like him. And what do you think he, he wants to see? His kids fussing and screaming or looking up saying, Father, forgive them. How good do you think that makes him feel when he looks down and sees us respond in the right way. We think, well, he's God and he don't really have any feeling or emotion or he don't really, he's just God, he's doing all this stuff, one day we'll be with him. But God cares and he loves you and it does. He, he feels that and he, and he does have an opinion on how we act. And uh, when the scripture says, I have no greater uh, joy than to see and know that my children walk in truth, you think uh, that John was the first one to come up with that? Was it John? I think it was in one of John's letters that said that. You, know, you think that was John? Oh, that's John's thing. That's God's thing because that scripture was, was penned as he was moved on by the Holy Ghost. And so he's only transcribing what God feels when God sees his children walking in truth and loving people and being kind to people. Don't you know it makes him feel good to know that, hey, I've got a group of people that love each other because he said the way the world know you are my disciples is when they see you have love one toward another and how can you say you love me when you can't love the one sitting beside you in church you've never even seen me but oh you love me and there's your brother right beside you I can't stand you I hate that cologne you wear <laughs> you're too loud when you worship <laughs> You know, and so uh, if you get like, you know, sometimes we can be selfish, but when we get selfish, we get inconsiderate. Got to be careful and so that, so that we don't do uh, the wrong things. But the Bible tells me that when our ways please the Lord, that even our enemies will be at peace with us. And so those enemies that he said to love, it's a lot easier to love them when they're at peace with you. But if they're not going to be at peace with you if your ways are different than what God wants you to do. So when your ways please the Lord, the only time my ways please him is when my ways are his ways. Because my way ends up in death. And it's right in my own eyes, but the Lord pondereth the heart. So God's like, mm, that ain't right. But when I'm walking in his ways, now my ways please him, and he's going to make even my enemies to be at peace with me. So... Getting to the end here, close to the end, Jesus gives us the ultimate example of turning to prayer when he was wronged. He prayed for forgiveness for those who had wronged him. I'm sure it was not an easy prayer to pray. Even though he was the Lord manifest in the flesh, that doesn't mean it was easy for him because he was still a man. But he did what he knew was right. So suspended between heaven and earth as a sacrifice for the sins of humanity, he utters the words, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. It is much easier to pray for judgment and vindication uh, than it is for forgiveness. It would have been easier for Jesus to command angels to come and deliver him, to destroy his accusers, but instead he prays forgiveness. 
The Lord was showing us that while we cannot always change what is happening to us and we cannot stop others from doing us wrong, we can turn to prayer and find the right response. But we have to take that time. So that's why you don't, uh, a person in the scripture says that when a person is quick to anger, he's, he's, he's very foolish, he, he'll act foolish, he's hasty in his spirit, then he's foolish. So you, you can't be quick to anger, but be slow to anger. So we must pray and offer forgiveness when others wrong us instead of reacting out of anger and revenge. When we respond emotionally instead of spiritually, we endanger our own walk with God. Emotions are fragile. We all say, oh, I'm good emotionally. Man, emo- emotions are like an egg. You got to keep them in that little carton and then not drop that carton. You got to, you got to protect those emotions because emotions are fragile. And you can get sideways in a minute. And you know, man, how did I get here? Got all up in your feelings, ain't that what they say? Uh, got to get out of your feelings and uh, got to get out of your emotions. And because if you don't, man, you just man, you, you hurt yourself. And and people that thought they knew you were like, wow, I had no idea. I'm so sorry they got to go home with that. Oh. <laughs> Oh, my. Okay. I better get on something else. People elbowing each other. What? The Holy Spirit has the power to calm our inner turmoil and give us peace that passes understanding. That peace is real. If you've never experienced it, oh, I I, I do feel for you because that peace is real. And it can help to begin, it can help to begin to pray for those who wronged us and help us to understand why they did what they did. The number one answer to that is people are people. On, on our best day, we're vanity. And we're, I mean, when we get it right, you ought to go to bed saying, thank the Lord I didn't blow it today. Because we, man, at any time we can. People are people. And it happens to the best of us. We, we lose a grip. We lose our temper. We do. It happens to the best of us. It doesn't have to be the end of us. And it shouldn't be the end of us. We should ask forgiveness, get it right, make our apologies, fix things, and keep moving forward, doing the right things. Uh, but, oh, I'm so glad that when I get it right. I'm glad for those days I can lay down and think, didn't say nothing ugly to nobody. I didn't hit nobody today. I didn't even think about running nobody off the road today. I just, right. Most of the time I have a problem with that is, is right in the middle of hunting season. That's, that's when my anger because I got these neighbors that after I've sat for about four hours and there's about 30 minutes of daylight left, they want to come driving their four wheels around in the other field doing donuts and stuff. <laughs> but they're on their property. But I have said I wish that four wheeler would blow up. <laughs> I have said that more than once. I just wish it would tear up right now. I wish it would break down right now. And they had to push it back. I said, don't let it break down near the house. Break down all the way. They had to creak. They just had to leave it. But that wouldn't do any good because I still wouldn't kill no deer because the damage has been done. So I have to say, God, I'm sorry for thinking like that. Well, people have this stuff, you know. You never know what pushes somebody's button. So if you know where I live and it's hunting season, don't be riding your four-wheeler near my house and pull up in my yard honking the horn no she'll tell you don't do that Uh, she's gotten a few texts from me you hear that (laughs) some idiots next door (laughs) they just having fun but anyway I gotta pray so I can get the right perspective their property. So many times people don't even realize to the full extent what they're doing. Those guys probably have no idea what they're doing. They're not doing that, hey, let's go down and aggravate that guy. They're just doing that. But it is aggravating to me. 
But I, I've got the, it's not like they probably saw me walk down here and then started that four-wheeler. You know, no, they didn't, but that's where my mind wants to go. They can easily become caught up in a situation that will spiral out of control. See, what if I were to just shoot at them? You know, hey, let me shoot your tire out, you know. I was aiming at you, I was aiming at the tire, but now I'm going to jail, <laughs> you know. So, uh, you know, it, and guess what? Stuff like that has happened. People get, I'm just a little sensitive about that. There are some people that's full out crazy about hunting land and will pull a gun. Brother Larry will tell you a story about a man pulled a rifle on him and cocked it, told him to get out of that tree, you're on my land. And he wasn't, he had permission to be there, but the guy, and he said, he said, that guy cocked that rifle. He said, I got down and left. I said, me too. I was, I'm getting shot for deer hunting, but people get, so they lose it, man, on stuff like that. Anyway, uh, other times people, what people feel was, it, uh, was innocent can actually have painful consequences. They don't realize what kind of hurt they're causing by what they're doing. They just don't understand it. All of us have been guilty of inflicting pain and hurt on others and being unaware of what we've done. Said something, we didn't realize somebody was going through something, and we say something that sounds insensitive. We had no idea what they went through that day, and, and we make a statement, bam, that's how the fight started, you know. And you're like, what did I do? And you, you, I can't believe you did it to me. I'm not trying to do that to you. What are you talking about? You know, you don't know. So you got to... Uh, remember sometimes that's part of it that people have no idea that they have done that be ready to listen to them they're sincere forgive them so you can be all right they can be all right and things can go on so we should extend the same mercy when we are wrong that we won't extend it to us when we have wronged others prayer helps us gain God's perspective helps us to know how to respond as he would respond in other words do unto others as you would have them do unto you and you can come to the music, baby. I'm winding down. When we respond like Jesus, we give him the opportunity to help us have the right spirit and to love the one who did us wrong. When we pray for God to forgive the one who offended us, we exemplify the love of God and the message of the gospel to those who hurt us and to the entire world, which is why I said earlier, what do you think about them people that heard him say that? Don't you know they went home and talked about that? Somebody went home and said, could you believe that he said, forgive them? Right before he died, he said, Father, forgive them, man. And, and somebody probably said, you know, we got to do better. If he could do that, we've got to do better. We've got to fix this. There's a story that ends our lesson tonight on this subject about being wronged and having something happen to you. In 1993, a mother lost her only son, when O'Shea Israel shot him during an argument at a party. Her initial reaction was that she wanted justice. She wanted him to pay for his crime, which he did. After serving 17 years of a 25 and a half year sentence, he was released from jail and returned back to his old neighborhood right next door to Mary, who was the mother and this was not an accident, but by a remarkable act of mercy. A few years prior to his release, Mary was overcome by the conviction to forgive him. So she set out to do just so through the course of several meetings. After some time, she was able to not only forgive him, but she helped him upon his departure from prison. In fact, they don't just live close to each other. They are close in spirit. And Mary said this uh, about it. It says she gives God the glory with her ability to forgive such a tragedy. She said, unforgiveness is like cancer. It will eat you from the inside out. And it's not about the other person. Me forgiving him does not diminish what he's done. Yes, he murdered my son. But the forgiveness is for me. It's just for me. And so that forgiveness that day on the cross... It was for him. He said those things so he could stay who he was. Right here at the end when it looks bad and they are waiting on me to say the wrong thing. They're waiting on me to lose it. Father, forgive them. And he showed that I can stay the same through it all. And so we can too. It's hard, yeah. But it can be done. We can do it. You and I can do that. 
So let's stand together tonight, lift our hands, and let's just ask the Lord as we pray before we close tonight to help us have the right attitude to see His perspective. Because it's coming. Somebody's going to do it. Somebody's going to insult you. Somebody's going to hurt your feelings. They're going to wrong you. But you've got to have the right attitude. Not let it eat you alive. Forgive them. Let it go. And you go on and serve the Lord and do what you were called to do. Lord, we love you tonight and praise you. What an example. And Lord, I'm thankful that it's not unattainable. But you said that the things that you do, we're going to do and greater things shall we do. So Lord, I pray tonight that each one of us will find that way, find a place that we can forgive those who have wronged us. Lord, that we can move forward and and finish what you called us to do and not lose our sight and lose our place. God, it's not easy, but Lord, with you all things are possible. So tonight, we lift up our eyes into the hills from whence cometh our help. Help us all to be better, to be more like you, and to surely be ready to meet you when you come. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Give him a hand clap of praise tonight. What a great God. What a great God. What a great God. I pray that you'll never have something as tragic as that lady had in that last story, but that's, that's a moving story. It's a moving story. And uh, to, you know, there's a story about a missionary. They made it into a movie. And uh, a man had gone and these, this, these natives had killed him. And then his wife went back. And she taught the, the men and, and prayed with the men who killed her husband. That's something. She brought the gospel to that village, even though they killed her friends and her husband. And, and so it's not impossible. There's examples of it through the scripture and even in this world today. And we can have that same power to forgive as well. So God bless you tonight. I hope that helps you. Let's remember the times that Jesus prayed. Let's put it into, it's not just words. Let's put it into action and our lives will be a lot better for it. God bless you tonight. Have a great night. We'll see you Sunday, the Lord willing, in Jesus' name. God bless you.